just make sure that we're on. Okay, so hello everybody. This is Danny Haifong. I'm of course joined by Margaret Kimberly for another episode of the Left Lens. We have a very special guest today. Well, guests, a, a dynamic duo. The they are part of Lukman Nation, which is again a dynamic duo based in DC. They're podcasters, they're activists, they're writers, and they have a whole lot going on. They're also part of the new Black Power Media Alliance, a very important formation that has just recently begun. And so welcome, Lukman Nation. It's good to be with you. These are good friends and comrades, so welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. We're so, so glad to be with you all. Definitely. Great. So let's begin by just talk about all i mean you guys are doing a lot right now and i feel like all of it is worthwhile uh, i know you center pan-africanism and black radicalism in your politics and the work that you do uh could you just give our viewers and those who will come on later just a, a quick picture into what you all are doing right now and 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 maybe connect it to what brought you into the struggle well, I mean, this is a, a evolution. We're we're still we're on this evolutionary track that we started a couple, some about several years ago, when we first decided that um you know that we saw that there was a void that was missing in the community, and um you know neither one of us had any um you know we we, we had no no um training at this, you know neither one of us went to school for it you know and uh, none of those things but um. There was a lot happening, and this happened around the time of the Freddie Gray uh, situation, and so um, and so we became involved with that because we saw that a lot of our people wasn't getting getting the information um, that that they should have gotten without it being, um, as we always say, without it being filtered through someone else's agenda, someone else's lenses. So we um, said that we was going to be um, the type of people that were going to be on the ground, and that what we saw we was going to transmit. And that's basically what it was. What we saw was going to transmit. We were going to be about the truth. Um, you know, it wasn't about being politically correct. It wasn't about um, trying to um, uh, go along with other people's narratives. We were like, look, this is what we see. This is how we see it. And this is what we translate it as. And so um, Black Power Media is really like the, the natural um, evolutionary step for us. I mean, um, we've always tried to stay um, true to what, that initial um our initial mission was and yeah. so we try to stay true to that um and it, i mean look um you know a lot of people got you know we always joke about this but you know there's people that got more followers than us yeah. there's more people that um have um, come you know what we would consider um who have kind of went you know beyond us but you know we say confidently that we're the most dangerous show on social media only because <laughs> And I know Margaret loves that. But yeah, we are the most dangerous show on social media because of the, the commitment that we have towards, um, you know, telling the truth unapologetically. Yeah. So, you know, what we we both um, share Pan-Africanist um, ideology, came to it from different 
paths and different perspectives, but, you know, arrived at the same conclusion for ourselves individually. And we didn't even know that when we met. And as we, you know, were getting together, dating and stuff, then we find out, oh, hey, we're, you know, we're both uh, very politically, um, you know, really involved in politics, interested in politics and in community activism individually. And we were both Pan-Africanists. So, it was um it wasn't like a natural thing you you kind of had to push me to do it yeah but yeah. um this whole platform <laughs> I'm glad I did though I'm glad he <laughs> did push me to do it but you know this this whole platform was um Luke Nation was born out of like he said seeing that there were not a lot of uh radical black voices out there talking about politics especially during the rise of the, you know, Bernie Sanders movement. And, you know, there weren't a lot of people out there talking about these things from the perspective of black people and certainly not from a a radical black, very left socialist perspective um, and definitely not making international connections. So that's where we thought we could fit. And I just wanted to just add that when we say that there weren't anyone uh, we know that Black Agenda Report's been out there. You right. guys been doing it. It was other, but we always felt like, okay, we're the bridge from our community to Black Agenda Report. A lot yep. of the people that we know, like in my family and her family and stuff, they, they, you know, they're not privy to where to go to find Black Agenda Report or, you know, where a lot of other truth tellers like, you know, you guys are, um, you know, they don't know where to where to get that at, you know, and, and so the news sources that they digest, um, you already know. So, you know, so um, it, it really helped out because a lot of stuff that we get from you guys and from other sources, we talk about it with our family yeah, members. Yeah, we just told other people yeah, what yeah. we read in Black Agenda. Right, right, right. And then our other family members was like, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know that. And and because of those efforts, some of my family members um, now read Black Agenda Report now. But they didn't know about it before. So we always felt like we were that bridge between the projects and... <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> no, we, we, we need all those bridges. I, I, I thank you for doing that. You know, uh, Black Agenda Report being um, uh, online, an online publication, we, uh, it's interesting you talked about not having the training or expertise to, to do this work, but none of us do. But we are, this technology allows so many of us to have a platform which is why they're trying to take them away now. And uh, so we uh, welcome having uh, additional uh, uh, people um, on board who, who can uh, speak to the issues that we speak to, who, to bring them to their communities. That's the whole idea. So um, we are very grateful that people like you have, uh, have stepped up and uh, stepped forward and all of us are learning together um, we are all encouraging each other. That's the most important thing. I, I think it's great that um, we all support each other. Uh, other guests we've had on, people that you two talk to, uh, who we know through Black Agenda Report or through Black Alliance for Peace or any of the other formations that, um, that we're a member of. So this is, uh, this is just what we uh, at Black Agenda Report wanted, uh, wanted to see. And this is such a pivotal time, a pivotal year. We have a, um, a new president who comes in after a president who was, uh, uh, how do we describe uh, uh, Trump divisive or um, 
I'm, that's not that doesn't even do justice. This trauma of having this man become president unexpectedly, and uh, but in this system where uh, anyone who gets to be president is not going to be someone who meets the needs of the people. That is how the system works. So we have a, um, a, a special challenge right now where Trump was about to go out the door and be the ex-president and he had a mob storm the Capitol. And mm -hmm. so that gives some legitimacy to a system that's not legitimate. Um, so talk to, talk to us about this, the time we're in now and uh, the demands of, um, of communication at this moment. Yeah, the, I mean, it is so, it, uh, on one level, it's really interesting to be in this moment because, you know, we very often say that, I mean, Abdus and I are in our, Baba and I are in our 50s. I'm 53, he's 54. 55. Wait, so 55. then that would make me 54. I, I don't know how I keep forgetting how old I am, but okay, he says I'm 54. He's 55. But I mean, we often like comment that we think, we feel like sometimes we were born in the wrong era, mm -hmm. you know, like, because we, we emotionally and intellectually, and I think very, very much spiritually identify with uh, the radical movements that we've certainly learned from, you know, and the, and, and the people in those movements and those ideologies. And that's why we're so committed to, to this, to this uh, life, to um, this life of revolution and uh, radical expression. But I think the importance of this moment is that it is so similar to those eras that, you know, we wondered if we, you know, we missed it, like in a weird way, like, right. did, did we miss the revolution? And here comes this moment where um, we have to focus on uh, serious, grassroots organizing, the kind of organizing that we have been looking at throughout history, uh, the Black Panther Party, uh, you know, the American Indian Movement, uh, the, the Weather Underground, and, and, you know, all of these radical formations, all of the labor movements, and how they organize across um, racial lines, uh, in, in, especially in the labor movement, across ethnic lines, uh, and there was class struggle and they changed things. And, you know, we're sitting here wondering, man, I mean, people are completely happy with Barack mm -hmm. Obama and how messed up is that? <laughs> you know? And we're wondering when are people going to wake up and are we ever going to have this moment where we can really galvanize people to see the problems? Are, are, are people ever going to get it? And here comes Donald Trump. And in that way, you know, it was really unpopular mm. when you said it, right, right? But you kept saying it that you know what Donald Trump was a necessary evil. It he he had to happen. He was the logical conclusion of the arc of the political history of this country for the Republican Party and the weakness of the Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. But his presidency scared a whole lot of people into realizing, oh my God, we have to do something. And for a lot of people, that something has been grassroots organizing. Um, I think for us, uh, there has not been enough people who have come out and said, you know what, this capitalist system is terrible. 
we need socialism. But but I think that's where we come in. Right. You know, so that that's how I see this moment for for us personally, that, you know, this is like, oh, so this is what this is why we're in this. We're in this for this moment. And I, I really do believe that that um, we don't believe the things we do just because, you know, these were good ideas to us. Um, we believe them for a purpose to be used in this moment. So so I think that's true. Um, but generally, I feel like this moment in political history for us as mm -hmm. a people, for us as a country, whatever we're going to become, I think it depends on what we do in this moment. And I'm wondering, you know, how do you feel? About well, I mean, that? I agree. I just um, feel that we're in a time of um, where, you know, well, at least um, me, you, well, Danny, too. I think we're at where, you know, we've all been around long enough to see the shift in the uh, position of America globally. Um, you know, this we're witnessing um, a, a, a pretty large dynamic shift on, on the world stage. Um, we're seeing we're witnessing the rise of, of China, which I really believe um, is, um, you know, really going to surpass the United States um, economically. I think that this pandemic um, really uh, and the way that China has handled the pandemic, I think it um, has thrusted um, or will thrust it uh, very quickly. Uh, past, um, you know, the United States um, once uh, global, I mean, once economic um, dominance. And um, and and not to uh, mention that uh, China's um, Belt and Road Initiative Project, I think, is going to be another thing that propels it, you know, further. Now, what the Chinese do with that, um, you know, uh, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that um, they might they might not squander the opportunity like others before them. But um but still, we're, we're witnessing the decline, I think, um, of the American empire. Mm -hmm. I also think that we're also witnessing the, um, the last throws. White supremacy is still here. But I think that um, the way that white supremacy has been manifested is manifesting itself within the last, I say, couple hundred years. I think we're seeing that come to a close, too. I think um, we're seeing it come to a close because economically, capitalism, is failing. Um, you know, it's 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 on his death throes. Um, they're going to do everything they can to keep it alive. But um, as we see, um, you know, that's why everybody else is looking at bitcoins. They're looking at other kind of <laughs> alternate um, uh, currencies and stuff because they 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 see um, that you know capitalism as the way that we've known it right. is um is 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 it's dead. You know, it's definitely on life support. And and um. So I think that we're here to witness these things. Now, the, the challenge is, is how, how do we translate these changes into, um, and, and those of us who are, who are the watchers, I call it, you know, how do we translate those changes in a way that, um, that our people, and when I say our people, those who, um, who, who don't have, those who have been left out of all of this, those who aren't getting the escape plan, you know, they, they, you know, they don't have a bunker in a mountain somewhere. How do we as the watchers, how do we translate these changes that we're all seeing? And I know we all see it because I read y'all stuff. So it's like, so how do we translate these things and 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 translate it to the people that that we we really care about um, so that that um, they could prepare? You know, and 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 galvanize and organize um, in order to um, so so we don't have this dystopian uh, type of existence because um, you know we don't have the information or we've been caught off guard. So I think that this is what we see. I think that this is where it's so important now 
for us because we know that that um, the mainstream media and all of the corporate media and stuff they're not they're not telling it and they're not going to tell it. In fact, it's in their best interest not to tell it mm-hmm. because they're they're the gatekeepers to those that's in power. So this is where we really come in. And Margaret, I think that um, I really agree with what you were saying about these platforms and stuff. Yeah, they, you know, we, we got to take advantage of these things while we can, right. because as the as the, the, the curtains start to close and um, and the power structures and, and, and elites, when they start to really, um, you know, get really vicious, um, you know, their 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 um, their violence is not going to know. And, and when I say violence, their violence could be manifest in different ways. Yeah. But they when when they start, you know, they're going to protect themselves. And, and so what's going to happen is. Is that they, you know, we're all, we're already viewed as their enemies, and they're going to continue to ramp up the heat. So, you know, so we just better just strap ourselves in and just uh, and ride ride this train. <laughs> it's funny that you brought up Bitcoin because I, I just think it's funny that mm-hmm. that that whole conversation is coming around again about Bitcoin being this alternative to, um, you know, cash or, mm-hmm. or currency or I mean, it's all financial. It's all in the same capitalist system. It's all regulated by the same financial system. It's all regulated by right. banks and the treasury. <laughs> I, it just—it's so it's amazing. The, it's, the late, it's the latest bubble. It's, the latest, <laughs> right. it's there's always something, and Bitcoin is uh, is the new uh, hot thing. Uh, I have chosen not to find out more about it because I feel like <laughs> it distracts, really distracts from the issue, and people think if they find this one secret thing everything is gonna be okay no it's that's not it um but uh it's interesting about these platforms they deplatformed a former president which is uh rather chilling to me i don't want to hear from trump i don't want to see his stupid tweets but i think it is significant at the very least we should pay attention to that fact that uh the solution one of the solutions for trying to um, prop up uh, what has what is clearly so rotten is to silence uh, this uh, this one man who uh, became president by blowing up the system. And I'm not trying to defend him. Anytime you talk about Trump, you have to quickly add that uh, <laughs> that I'm not trying to defend him. But he is not the problem. He right. he allowed people to. Part of the problem is white supremacy, as you pointed out, with foreign policy uh, and imperialism, and they are tied together, uh, white supremacy and U.S. Uh, uh, foreign policy. But let us not pretend that Trump being out of the White House means an end to white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's expressed in foreign policy and domestic policy now. And that's why they are... Um, pushing this propaganda about this stimulus bill, cutting child poverty in half. Right. That's what I'm writing about in Black Agenda Report this week. It's just not true. Mm-hmm. Um, people will be helped temporarily, but it is not a systemic change. Uh, it is This country's far less generous the, even than other capitalist countries in mm-hmm. caring for people. But that is why they have to push this narrative and Biden's transformation only cutting child poverty in half. And today, I saw at the end of the day, I didn't get a chance to read the articles. They're blaming Russia again. Russia and China and Cuba and oh. Venezuela all tried to intervene in the election. <laughs> so they'll they'll pull that rabbit out of the hat whenever they feel mm-hmm. like uh, they need to keep people quiet and uh, mm-hmm. 
when, when people get that $1,400 and maybe it helps them pay the rent and maybe it's garnished and somebody gets to take it from them, they've got to uh, keep things going um, uh, in that way. So that all, to, all of this to say, we have a special responsibility in communicating with people. We have really taken, taken on a, a huge task. Um, you know, I gladly, I, and I believe you do as well, because there is, uh, we're fighting against uh, so much propaganda uh, from um, the corporate media and their friends uh, uh, among the elites and the billionaire rule that we're we are living under. So all our work is um, is so very important, as That's you know. True. I will, I wanted to jump in to just say uh, both of you, both Margaret and and, and you, uh, Luke Mons, both mentioned this attack on us and to say i see it in the chat people are saying share this like it do all of that definitely do that and do that when the lukemans are on whether whoever's on and do it with their programming too because there is this attack there it's a real thing mm -hmm. people on the left the real left the actual left those who challenge the democratic party those who talk about things like pan-africanism and black politics and the and, and black left politics uh, it's really important that we do this because because we all have to support each other. So I wanted to jump in there. And I think a, a big part of what we do is agitation. That's that's mm -hmm. how we get the communication and the message out is through agitating, through studying the problem, studying history, studying theory, studying what has happened before and what is happening now so we can really inform people that there is a need to organize in a certain way, to mm -hmm. move in a certain way uh, that is different altogether from what we are generally told to do, which is mm -hmm. vote Democrats, mm -hmm. uh, organize to vote for Democrats, <laughs> organize to get different kinds of Democrats into office. That's generally what the left is told to do, even those on the ground who are trying to do things like Occupy Wall Street or organize labor unions. They are also often told do this and and you guys I, I i'm curious you you both had uh a lot of commentary on and definitely feel free to tie this into what margaret was saying about the stimulus and the biden era the black lives matter movement and what is now called uh the black lives matter uh network foundation Grifting uh, Network. Global I'm global sorry, global. I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about this because I we haven't had a chance to talk about this on the left lens with their $60 million surplus and their, you know, this is all known. I've had my person, we, we at Bar have our experiences with the Black Lives Matter. When it was called the Black Lives Matter Network, we had our experiences when we were making criticisms of their political tactics around the Democratic Party, the, the 2016 election. But talk about sort of what you think about this new development where we now find out there's tens of millions of dollars uh, kind of hoarded. We've had many activists and, and family members of uh, black people killed by the police who have come out and said, wow, this is a huge problem. What are your thoughts on this? Because I think it speaks to a bigger problem. You know, there's this, I think you all do such a service in talking about Africa, first of all, pan-Africanism, linking the international and domestic. I see efforts, I see these these developments as kind of a, a, a microcosm into why it's so difficult right now to make these kind of connections because mm -hmm. there are forces 
who are well-paid, funded, co covert in a lot of ways, um, working to generate a kind of political activity that reproduces the, I think, the void, right? Mm -hmm. Reproduces this void in our activity. So if, if you just want to speak to that, as people share this, share it, please. <laughs> like it. <laughs> Yeah, you know it's gonna be you know you know it's about to be bad because I had to take my glasses off. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I, I had to agitate you. <laughs> That's the equivalent of me taking my earrings off. Yep. <laughs> so, I mean, it's interesting that you brought up Africa and the way neo-colonialism is implemented on the continent in so many countries that were formerly colonized. The, the, the former colonizers don't have troops in these countries, except for France. They still do. But they, what they do now is they, 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 they have their multinational corporate operations, the minings. They control the mines. They, can, they literally control the mines, the ground that the resources are in. Um, then they control the mining operations. Then they control the refining of the materials. And then they uh, uh, sell the materials back to African nations at, an, uh, at, at a marked up price. And they're not, you know, but, but they can only do this by propping up um, pro-Western, pro-capitalist, crony politicians in these African nations. And these people are African um, from these nations who allow these companies, uh, countries, these former colonists to do this. In that way, I see some of these, this, this is the way I see some of these um, professional, uh, uh, what, what do you want to call them? Professional uh, activists, yeah. I guess. Now, the really messed up thing is, Lenin does talk about a professional um, revolutionary, I think, if, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, he does talk about the need for people who are in the revolutionary movement to be able to collect resources. But if I'm remembering correctly, correctly, his his model of a of a professional revolutionary was was that this person would take their money and put it back into the revolution, mm. right? And this is something that we've seen throughout the civil rights movement, throughout uh, every, you know, the black power movement where people who may not have been able to be in the streets in protest and might not have even been mm. able to like publicly align themselves with uh, the protests and the people involved in the movement because of their professional standing. But they took the money they made and they fed people, they housed people, they posted bail, you know, they provided material support to the movement. So in that way, yes, we need people in the movement to be able to make money. Some of us got to work. All of us can't go to jail. Okay, because somebody has to be able to have a job so we can uh, uh, post folks bail because some people are going to be victims of repression. Mm -hmm. we, we are going to need to support our people in the movement. Um, materially, we're going to have to pay people's rent. When our people do go to prison, we're going to have to take, you know, take care of and check on their families and put money on people's books. Right. And so, yeah, there is a need for people to make money who are involved in the movement. But that's not what these folks in Black Lives Matter, the global network, were doing. 
And we know this is true because the families who the Black Lives Matter hashtag grew off of didn't receive support from these people. Right, right. Right to the point where Mike Brown's father is suing the Black Lives Matter Global Network after he finds out that they've raised $90 million. And he's sitting there wondering, like, well, how come we're struggling? I don't understand. And, Not even a cup of coffee for you. You know, and, and Tamir Rice's right. mother is is blasting them on Facebook because you've got folks, you know, going to the Grammys and reciting poems in the middle of a song on the Grammys, but she's struggling. And and so many chapters of Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. organizations on the state and local levels who are in the streets about that work, they didn't receive any support. They've been going to prison. They've been, you know, getting arrested. Mm-hmm. They've had to raise money for bail support where this organization that has had. And I saw something on social media today where they didn't raise just $90 million. It's been more like $2 trillion. So, so I, I don't know. That number can't be right. But I think maybe $2, you know, $2 billion might be more correct. But I think the person who posted it was like, I think you're getting excited. But I believe two billion. I think I would believe two billion. Two trillion is like GDP level stuff. Yeah. But I, I think I would believe a couple billion. But even if it, even if that's not accurate, the fact that people have not received support, financial material support mm-hmm. from the people who raise this money, not just off of black death and trauma but also off of the work of black people in the streets demanding justice for those people that is a gross gross violation of the principles of revolution and struggle that and and i i i don't i don't have a way to look favorably on the people involved in this grift to where i don't call it what it is. It looks like a grift to me where now these folks are like, well, we don't know where the money is. What do you mean? <laughs> you don't know where the money is. Well, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I, I want to point out we are, we are getting comments we just got from, uh, from No Name. He said that Paul Robeson was a professional revolutionary. Comrade. He, he, was, he was punished for it. He and was, if, yeah. If, mm-hmm. we don't, if we don't understand anything else, anyone lifted up by the corporate media, by politicians, by the billionaires, is someone who's not working in our interests. I mean, it's just that simple. Because if you uh, if you stand up as as he did, then you are uh, beaten down. They literally took his living away from him. He never recovered financially, emotionally, because he dared uh, because he dared to speak up against the system. Because he said we charge genocide. Because he. Uh-huh personally argued with Harry Truman about uh, uh, his refusal to do anything about lynching. So um, that is, but but we have to be there for each other. And that way, uh, no one will have to fear uh, losing their livelihood of um, uh, being, being punished in, in such a, made an example of uh, when they dare to speak up. So you can you can see the grifters. The grifters are the ones who get the accolades. The grifters are the ones who 
are talked up in the New York Times or the Washington Post or CNN or or wherever. But I think it is it's a great thing that people are finally speaking up. However many millions of dollars they raised, whatever it is they've accomplished, they've done great damage. Not they have enriched exactly. themselves exactly. at the expense of the people. And we are now left with um, uh, uh, families suffering when their loved ones are killed. And what do we get at the end? We get a lot of posturing. Uh, you know, that uh, they took Aunt Jemima off the box or, or something, something that right. doesn't pay anybody's rent or mm -hmm. uh, save anybody's uh, life. So I, I'm very happy that Tamira Rice's mother put these folks on blast. She needed to. Um, and I, she put Barack Obama on blast too, uh -huh. because lest we forget, the federal uh, government is the prosecutor of last resort, and all of those cases could have been handled by the uh, Obama Justice Department. And we, that is something we should be looking at um, now that Mr. Transformative Biden is in office uh, too. And yes, I'm being sarcastic and transformer mummy Biden. Well, well you know, it's, it's, it's something. Uh, don't get us started on Obama. We would we. We've been putting Obama on blast uh, while he was still president, I think, right? Might oh, yeah. take my glasses off. I mean, again. we were putting I him on blast. <laughs> but but um, just just quickly on on the thing with um, uh, the the um, the grifters, uh -huh. you know, or you know, this is one of the and and, and let me make this clear because I have a tendency to you know sometimes be misunderstood. But let me make this clear. This is one of the problems that we have with this um, whole culture of celebrity worship. Yes. Um, yeah, and, 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 and you know, and and trust me, the age of social media. I mean, you know, it, it's it's basically like like the firewood, the Kindle, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, but this is what happens. I think that um, we can see obvious grifters, like you know, those who just come up with acronyms, you know, just so they can compete, you know, with the black struggle. Oh, I'm FBA or I'm CBS or I'm CIN. Hey, not CBS. I mean, I, well, you know, but, or CIN <laughs> or something like that. So, but, you know, but but this does, as you said, Margaret, this does damage uh, because um, people have lost their lives. I yeah, mean, you yes. know, people, yeah, people lost their lives behind, um, uh, uh, you know, pushing Black Lives Matter. I mean, we know this from um, Louisville, Ferguson. Um, there's people who've been locked up and, and people are still locked up. And um and and so it does cheapen the movement when um you know you know you uh you, you know you go to the Grammys and and you, you say a poem it becomes more about you than yeah. as opposed to what the struggle is about and I think that um uh, Miss Rice uh, I think that she has I agree with you she has every right to be upset because we were upset with Hillary when Hillary did the whole Mother of the Movement mm -hmm. tour yeah. so when you know, when she was using. Uh, black pain and trauma for political gain, we were, you know, rightfully so. We were outraged by that. And so now you have people who are gaining celebrity. Um, now they'll sit up here and tell us, well, that's not our intentions. Well, of course not. It might not be your intentions, but you do have the power to not be into certain forms. Like you could choose not to go to the Grammys. You could choose not to walk the red carpet. You know, you could choose uh, a whole lot of things um uh uh you know um that that that's within your your power so you know i don't buy that excuse i think that um in this uh, culture of celebrity worship you know it becomes more about the brand you know as opposed to um you know how did you get there in the first place and who is checking on um uh, uh, uh miss rice who's checking on 
uh, uh, Mike Brown's uh, 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 parents and his relatives. Who's doing that? No, they become they 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 become this launch pad, and then all of a sudden it's like you know, hey, look, has anybody went back and asked Tamir Rice mother how she's doing? Mm-hmm. You guys are getting millions of dollars. You know how she's doing? She lost her son. Does anybody go back and 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 uh, visit Mike Brown or or what about um, Trayvon um, uh, Martin? Right. You know, right. I mean, his family. So you know, they just become these these stepping boards. Um, and you know that's the way it looks that they just become these steps to um, this this um, uh, this national or sometimes international um, uh, profile. And I mean, then we said earlier uh, about even um, uh, Benjamin Crump. I know that he's been criticized. And I'm and, and as I said earlier on another program, this had I mean financially this had to have worked out for him because he's the face now. The legal face, I mean, he's that go-to guy. He was like Johnny Cochran. He's that go-to guy that whenever there's some kind of trauma in the black community, um, then, you know, his name is just, you know, and so well, he, he hasn't benefited. Yeah, well, people have to understand what he does. He gets people money. Who might right. otherwise not get any money? But that is all he does. He can't get anybody justice. He can't mm-hmm. get anybody prosecuted. He can't get anybody convicted. That's so right. be clear what he and other uh, attorneys uh, do. They have their place, but it still isn't justice. And I, I also want to um, point out, since you've mentioned, you know, these uh, cases of police murder are given a lot of attention, and they should be. But we need to give a lot of attention to, to our entire plight. Um, we've talked about COVID, how Black people were disproportionate victims. Uh, because we um, are often not in the managerial class and able to right. work from home, right. uh, not treated well when we do get medical care, more likely to live in an uh, overcrowded housing, so it's hard to protect ourselves. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, the thousands of Black people who died, uh, whose names, unless you know them personally, nobody knows who they are. But they're victims of uh, of this system too. The people behind bars, most of them unjustly, um, and and what I mean by that is that we are um, uh, we have a society that criminalizes black people, and uh, there are people who are sometimes literally innocent, or should not be in prison for some act that they did. So I think it's important to um, to think about all of it. And I, I also think it's important for us to, you, you mentioned the Grammys and uh, the celebrity worship. It, it is something that um, it is my, of the, all the pet peeves I have, it is the biggest mm-hmm. that people spend so much time, attention, um, talking to each other, just an inordinate amount of attention given to people because they are famous. And I, I, um, you know, I don't want to judge people because they watch the Grammys. I would not do that, but I think we have to rethink, uh, at least reconsider. I'll put it that way. Some of the things that we give so much um, of our attention to, and I think that happens as a consequence of thinking more clearly about the national and the international situation. Yeah. Uh oh, can't hear you, Danny. <laughs> we all have that. You're mute. <laughs> Sorry, That's I want to jump in. I want to jump in really quick because 
this is why I wanted. I really, I think we both wanted to bring you on. You are very good at agitating and agitating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> very good. Uh, so, I, I mean, back, back to. I just think that there's a big difference between serving the people and serving funders, which is, I think, what a lot of this uh, much, I think, just much larger, even in the 60s, you know, 70s, there was this phenomenon, the nonprofit industrial complex coming up. And it was really deployed first against the Black Liberation Movement. That's where it was targeted towards first. You got to read the great work of Robert Allen to really understand that. But that's where it was deployed first. But in this situation, I mean, Black Agenda Report, we've been talking about the Black Lives Matter Network for a while. They don't, they know, they didn't, they don't like us. I mean, they didn't like Bruce. They didn't like Glenn or myself or others who were commenting on what they were doing during the initial uprising or initial quote unquote uprising in Ferguson. And I had a personal experience in Boston. I was trying to work with some of their activists. Um, you know, I was involved when I was out there. And during this, tide of the election season hillary clinton was running and we all remember in 2000 i think it was 15 where mm -hmm. hillary clinton gave gave black lives matter activists a kind of a lashing a, a lecture almost yeah. on how you build movements and how you win it was a very disturbing trend but the the relationship between the activists and hillary clinton was one of almost like cooperation and collaboration and we questioned that how, how do you confront a, a politician like Hillary Clinton in that manner, you know, mm -hmm. in a friendly manner? And one of their leaders uh, who I was working with uh, said straight up that this is not and this is the kind of thinking that is generated in these spaces. This is not your grandma and grandpa's uh, civil rights movement anymore. Uh, Black Agenda Report is akin, is akin to Al Sharpton. Like it's literally comparing Black Agenda Report to Al Sharpton. It, it blew my mind, but it was that, it, and a lot of these activists are trained to not allow a kind of a debate to happen in their circles. So it was it was a very eye-opening experience in the sense that we think that in, in these moments where we find out, and I think it's a very good thing we found out about the funding and all that, we think that politics, there's really no politics here, right? It's almost like this whole uh phenomenon was apolitical it was just about justice for um you know for the families of slain police and you know black lives matter chants and all of this and, and a lot of people get the impression that politics aren't really at work but that's that's nonsensical if you think of the world um through struggle and through the struggle uh between the oppressed and the oppressor between the exploited and the exploiter and you in those kind of experiences that's where you figure this kind of thing out. And I think it's a really good thing, although it's infuriating and, and we all need to take lessons from it, that this has come out. And, and now we're learning, you know, who, who are the friends of the movement and of the people and who are uh, in it for their self-interest and in it to be wedded to the Democratic Party, the nonprofit industrial complex. I mean, I read the initial article, the AP article that reported on this, mm -hmm. and it says that they refused to allow a deep uh, investigation into who the funders were. So right. it was not just the money. It was that they refused to report that. And, and, and we've been on top of that for a while, but I just wanted to bring that up. And, 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 I, and I know that, you know, Obama was brought up and Biden and the relief plan. So I know there's plenty to talk about, but I just wanted to bring that out there because it's bugged me for a really long time. I mean, 
these guys' experience are the ones because you just said it. Activists have disappeared. Darren Seal, yeah. so many activists have yep. disappeared, dead, uh-huh. lynched. Uh, and then Margaret, you brought up. Uh, I, I mean, you know, all of the people, especially black people, suffering from mass incarceration, solitary confinement. I mean, the the just rapacious violence of this system is almost minimized when these kind of forces are allowed to be in the, I don't want to call it the vanguard, but, uh, it, you know, out front. Uh, to be so rather, prominent. Yeah. Right. 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 So yeah. I just wanted to raise that. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, I think that that's absolutely right. It's like you, you have, we, I think we started wondering what was going on with them when we noticed that, they had this enormous platform. Mm. I mean, they basically had the country's captive attention and they weren't bringing up these other issues. This was long before COVID, you know, they weren't bringing up the other issues of the economic injustice, the crushing economic injustice that people like Tamir Rice and, you know, uh, Freddie Gray and and the people who were victimized by police and, and, you know, uh, our, our, our Latino uh, brothers and sisters and our Native American brothers and sisters. I mean, you've got the platform. So you make the connections between police abuse and uh, economic violence and classism and this capitalist system and the lack of health care and the lack of quality education and the lack of quality housing and the lack of access to nutritious food and, and that entire uh, um, ecosystem of oppression that police terrorism is a part of but everything was about like the latest police shooting Mm -hmm. which yes it's incredibly important that these issues be raised but they don't happen in a vacuum right they weren't created in a vacuum and we started noticing these people aren't talking about politics they're not talking about the policies that create these situations that perpetuate them and that protect the people who keep committing these crimes that are all a part of this. So, you know, we started to be like, okay, well, I mean, it's good to have a hashtag and it's good to have these, you know, so many people at these protests, but what outside of the protests are they doing? Right. You know, and we, we started to see on a local level, like here in DC with the Black Lives Matter DC organization and definitely in Philly, um, you know, with our comrades, um, uh, Yane Indigo mm-hmm. and, and um, uh, Asantua uh, uh, Toure, um, and, you know, folks that we have met along the way mm-hmm. in Black Lives Matter chapters doing work that we weren't seeing reflected right. at the national level, whatever that was, you know, so, so, you know, there is a serious disconnect. Um, we saw that disconnect with them. And 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 the thing on celebrity, I think we kind of noticed, I think it was the red carpet thing when that happened, when oh, one yeah. of them walked down the red carpet. I think it was three of them. Was well, all the well, well, the first three, I remember the first time. I, yeah, I mean, we don't normally do right. like award shows, but I think we must have been bored that night and we were just flipping <laughs> channels and we we're like, they, is they, that who I think it is? I mean, they, they were all over, um, uh, what's the, what's the, they call it the ET channel. And, yeah, and, and I mean, you couldn't help miss them. They, they didn't want to hide. That's true. They, <laughs> they didn't want to hide. And, and the thing is, <laughs> it's like, okay, that there is. There, there's, there's not. This is not a critique of celebrity in itself. I mean, 
fine. We all have talents and skills. And if you can profit from that, please do in this system, you know, get yours. But if we're talking about revolutionary activism and your goal seems to be to want to be a celebrity, Mm. that's where the problem is. And, and, you know, you're not storming the red carpet talking about, you know, close the, the detention camps at the border or, you know, free all political prisoners. You know, you just you're just on the on, on the on the carpet in your glamorous, gla- glamorous gown, mm-hmm. you know, being introduced as one of the co-founders of Black Lives Matter. That's a serious problem. Well, and, and also, look, you can tell how threatening you are. Mm-hmm. as an organization or so-called black activist is when they give you too many keys to the kingdom. <laughs> yeah. you got, you, when you got too many they just keys, like open the door, they see you coming. Like, hey, come yeah, on. I mean, when you, when you have access to too much stuff, then you know, you ain't a threat. You know what I mean? And um, I think that's one of the things that made, um, you know, everybody wants to, especially a lot of the younger generation, but you know, they always want to make this thing about, I think you said Danny or, or Mark, one of you said, about you know, oh, well, this ain't your your grandfather's civil rights organization stuff, and I, you know, and and you know, we just don't understand. And look, I I don't, I don't have a problem being middle aged. I don't. I love it. Uh, Richard Pryor said, "You don't get old being no fool." So I don't have a problem with that. What I do have a problem with is this this um, fallacy of youth that makes you think that um, nobody knew what a wheel was until you came around. You know, um, you know, the thing of it is, is that what made the Black Panthers and what made um, a lot of those organizations of the past uh, threatening was because of the political education. It was because of them being grounded in what the uh, uh, political education. You couldn't do anything with the Panthers unless you read some books. And so what I see now, um, unfortunately, um, even even those who have um, very sincere desire to be in the movement, uh, especially from the younger generation, is this resistance. To um to history, this resistance to what was valuable in the past, which is one of the reasons why in Daruba, um, uh, you know, he makes a very good case in this, which is why we constantly keep on being like a hamster in the wheel. We keep on um, making the same mistakes because we want to discount. You know what you're supposed to do is learn from the past. Right. You're supposed to learn lessons from the past and even learn the mistakes. You just don't wipe it away because you wasn't born then. That don't make yeah. any sense. It's one of the one of the terrible things, many terrible things that uh, were done uh, at after that uh, that time is that uh, the damage of the educational system and right. that people discount all history. I I'm sure most if you ask most students at an Ivy League school, when did World War Two end? <laughs> most um, I'm sure only one out of 10 could tell you 1945. Right. So we have right. this uh, system now where people literally don't know anything. If it happened more than 10 years ago, if they, they don't remember their own childhood. Um, and then so people don't know that this civil rights, this era of the liberation movement, which is fetishized so much, they don't know that at that moment, people made demands. They demanded of the, they made demands of politicians that they knew politicians didn't exactly. Want. They don't know that everybody now who lauds Dr. King every January on his birthday when he was alive, they said, did the New York Times say anything good about King when he was alive? No. Nope, they so, did not. Um, people are, are in a vacuum and thinking they've got to reinvent the wheel when they do not because there are 
if you weren't alive then or your parents or grandparents weren't involved, then you could read a book and find out. But as you right. know, as you point out, that is not what is uh, emphasized now. And this electronic media, which we're using now, um, is all, it's a two-edged sword. It is also something that distracts people. Yes, yes. So people are the, the the grifters we talk about are able to use it to their um, to their advantage. So I know I, I I think I went on a bit of a rant. No, no, but that's oh, I mean you some I mean no, but you but you summed up where I was going with exactly. it, Mark. You that definitely did. You know, and we're not we're not sitting over here like you know middle aged people talking about get off our lawn, <laughs> but we're just you know get off my lawn. No, but what we're saying is is that you know um, when we're in a struggle like when we're in a struggle like this. You have to utilize all of your strengths, you know, and part of the strength is that we have to learn from those that came before us and those that are still with us. I don't see any black lives. Uh, well, let me not say that. But most of the political prisoners that um, that we're trying to free um, come from that past. Yeah. So, right. you know, um, you know, so, so let's not discount that like it doesn't mean anything. And people need to and, stop saying this isn't your grandmother's. But y'all, y'all didn't, y'all don't know I my grandmama. Y'all didn't know her. Right. She would have shot you. <laughs> we're definitely not. And, and that's the thing. And this is not to disparage anyone, but we're definitely not taking the same type of risks today that those in the past have done. I mean, we're not occupying islands. We're not, you know, we're not, um, you know, we're not doing some of the radical things that people are still in prison for, you know. So before we want to get all high and mighty about, you know, what what is what's not our grandmother, grandfather's movement, then we we need to know the sacrifices that they've done, that a lot of them done, and before we even open up our mouth. No, that's so true. I mean, right now, Mumia Abu Jamal is he's dying. I mean, he has COVID nineteen. He has heart failure. He has this disastrous skin condition. Yes. But yes, the the mainstream elements. I mean, there are good people. I know. I know you have interviewed uh, good activists who are doing really oh, amazing yeah. work in, in places like Philadelphia and Chicago in the Black Lives Matter milieu. But when Mumia Abu Jamal political prisoners, when they are when their very existence is suppressed, and yeah. this is why it's so important to read Black Agenda Report, follow Lukman Nation, follow and and watch. Um, Black Power Media, because there really aren't any other avenues for getting this kind of information. There aren't because the the forces that are saying they're leading the movement, they're not doing it. And right. we can debate right. why that is. There are many different reasons. We can't just lay it on the feet of our enemies. But at the same time, we have to understand why, why this is occurring. And, uh, you know, I, I just think that that's just, just so important to remember that uh, there is there's a real political struggle going on, and, and you all, and this is why I want to have you on, Abbas and Jackie, because there's a reason why Mumia Abu Jamal and and Sundiata Kohli uh, others are not talked about. There's a reason. Oh, hood communist. Thank you, Ricky. I'm gonna put that up actually because I love me some hood communists. So uh, there's a reason why the entire African continent, the politics going on in the African continent, the struggle happening. You you all talk about it. We talk about it, but it, it's not part of the general discourse on what's called the left or anything. Right. Even those who are to say that they are against U.S. foreign policy, et cetera. Generally, who which part of the world, the richest part of the world, the uh, <laughs> the most uh, exploited part of the world is left out of the conversation often. Uh, so 
Anyway, I just wanted to bring that up. I don't. No, no you're right. That. You're right. And, and it plays tricks on. And and because it's left out of the conversation, um, you know, we have even people who are well-meaning, I imagine, but you know, they even start to believe that Africa is not part of the conversation. <laughs> you know, so well, that that's the damage there. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, um, it's it's unfortunate that there's this short-sightedness amongst people who are call themselves left or progressive that. Uh, foreign policy is some kind of a frill, as if mm -hmm. you're going to have injustice in the rest of the world, but have justice here. That's not going to happen. A country that has 800 military bases all over the world, who with a military budget, that it's 60% of discretionary spending. Uh, so you literally cannot have nice things uh, in, um, in that kind of a system. Uh, they literally bring it home. We talk about militarized policing, the 1033 program. Every uh, big city in Podunk has uh, uh, armored vehicles as if they're at war, but they see right. the people as a, a people who need to be occupied. So uh, I think it's very important, and it's. Um, um, I'm so glad you make those connections. You can't separate the domestic from the international, and we everybody here agrees that. But I I think it's so important that we amplify that at every opportunity. Mm, agree. Yeah, I mean the 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 fact that there are people on, on the left anywhere on the so-called left who believe that we can talk about domestic policies and not talk about mm -hmm. uh, foreign policies do not understand that our enemy, the capitalists, right. the system does not separate domestic policies from foreign policies. They are telling us that, you know, like you said, Margaret, you know, look, we can't give you Medicare for all. It's going to cost too much money. We can't raise the minimum wage. We don't have the political support for it. It's going to cost too much money. You know, we can't, we can't do a comprehensive housing policy and make sure that housing is the right and everyone has a decent place to live because it's going to cost too much money. But they never have these conversations when they uh, uh, vote on the uh, uh, the NDAA, the, the military budget, every single year, which now... The last one was $738 billion. It's always around there, too. And, and people, I know people watching this understand. I think some people who are watching it right now understand this. But for people who watch this later who don't get why this is important, this budget is not like every five years. They vote on this sucker every year. Mm -hmm. And the Democrats gave Trump all, actually more than he asked for. Speaking exactly. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. So every year they tell us here that they can't afford to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Oh, how are we going to pay for it? Yeah. We can't give you Medicare for all or, or you know, if they want to call it socialized medicine. OK, whatever they want to call it. We can't get it because it, how are we going to pay for it? Every time they say, how are we going to pay for some domestic policy that would improve our life here in this country? Please remember that they never have that conversation. No one on either side, well, I won't say no one, maybe two people on, on either side of the aisle has that conversation when it comes to funding the war machine that delivers death, destruction, and instability around the world to mostly black, brown, and Muslim countries every single year. Over $700 billion every single year you know when they, when they say that right about you know how we're going to pay for it 
they're, they're, you know, they're telling, they're telling the truth on half of it. You would like for them to finish the sentence. Well, how are we going to pay for it when 60% of our budget, no, discretionary budget goes to the <laughs> I mean, we've already committed you know, yeah. so much of our budget right, to right. killing people but around the world. But they won't, they won't tell the other pay. half of that. You know, they're right. like, oh, how are we going to pay for it? Well, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> we're, we're getting close to the end of our hour. And oh, I want, want you guys to um, use the last, uh, these last few minutes, tell our viewers where they can see you and hear you. How are you? You better at that. <laughs> well, you can see us on Lukeman Nation on YouTube, and you can also find us on Black Power Media on YouTube. We have pretty much regular uh, segments on Black Power Media Wednesday night at five thirty, Friday Friday night at five o'clock. Dope Friday. Dope Friday date night yep. is what yep. we're calling it. On Black Power yeah. Media, because you know Dr. CBS, our our lovely comrade and friend, follows us. After that, um, you can find me on by any means necessary on Radio Sputnik five days a week from two to four p.m. Uh, and you can find the Luke Mons. Where else can you find us on well, Patreon.com? Right. Yeah, Patreon.com/slash/LukeMonNation. And on Saturday, you can find me, Baba Luke Mons, mm -hmm. with um, my co-host Ray Wilkerson. Um, for the newly launched uh, podcast called The Waters of Healing, uh -huh. um, which is a podcast based upon, uh, which is based on, I should say, um, dealing with the issues of, of, of black men, men. That's what we, that's, that, that is our uh -huh. target group, man. That's yep. what we do. Men talking about men, men stuff. Men talking about men stuff. Men. Yeah, women you, you, women, you wouldn't want it. It's, it's porn. <laughs> but yeah, but we're there on Saturdays at seven o'clock, so. Well, thank you. It's, there's so much important work. A lot of that is in the description of this video and what is not, you will be able to find once you get uh, to their platform. So thank you so much. This hour flew by. One of our, yeah. uh, one of the folks in the chat said it flew by. Uh, this is not the end though. This is not goodbye. Danny, can I say one more thing? Um, yeah. if we're gonna take a minute. You know, Margaret, every time she comes on, she knows I'm a fan. I, you know, I, I do my fanboy stuff. I love y'all both. I love everybody Black Agenda, but <laughs> I I remember when I got baptized um to Black Agenda Report, and even today I love Margaret's writing. It was like, and I, I remember I said to her once, "Oh God, I wish I could write just like you." Oh, you know. Margaret said, "She said you can't keep doing it." Uh -huh. yeah. but yeah, I'm a fan. Yep. You know, <laughs> thank you, thank you so much. Bro. It's mutual, and uh, everybody, uh, as as we already said, uh, we we can all do these things with if we help each other. So thank you so yeah. much. Yeah, definitely. Well, this was this was amazing. Thank oh, you yeah. all for coming yeah. on, spending an hour. There, there isn't enough time in the day to talk about these things. Um, but we will definitely have you all back on soon and, and be talking to you soon. So peace, everyone. Thank you for watching. Peace. Of course, continue to like, Thanks share. So Thank you. Subscribe right. to the channel. And, you know, we will be back with you all again. So So peace and much love. All right. Good night, y'all. Right. Good night, y'all. Bye-bye.